Good morning. One of the most magnificent aspects of all of God's creation, in my opinion, is the human body. It's absolutely magnificent. And an aspect of it especially is the way in which God empowers our body to heal itself through our immune system. I mean, the fact that there are things that come into my body, whether it's bacteria, viruses, contagions, whatever it may be, that enters into it. And there is a way for my body to not only identify it, but then to deal with it. Now, if it's not dealt with, or it overpowers the immune system, then what is an isolated thing that's not even known to me will then start to be known through the rest of the body. I mean, I'll start to feel shivers and shakes. I'll, I'll, I'll get fevers. Those are all indication that something is happening and my body is fighting something. Now, if that doesn't work, or if I don't take care of my body well, or if I don't go to the doctor and there's, some, there's a, a symptom of some sorts, well, that has the opportunity to develop into something even bigger, even more disastrous, and potentially deadly. That may require... Um, what I'll call cutting off um, necessities, whether that's amputation, whether uh, because of an infection, whether that's chemotherapy or surgery, that there is something happening in the body that requires removal from the body so that the rest of the body can be healthy. That is in essence what Paul is doing in the church in Corinth, in the passage that we're at today. He's recognizing that God gave the church, the body of Christ, an immune system, if you will, and a way in which it can correct, call towards repentance and redemption so that the, the body of Christ can be healthy and live holy lives set apart from things that are causing the pod, body to decay. We're in the middle of our First Corinthians series called The Future Present, and we're transitioning from Paul establishing the church in unity as being one, and now helping them be established and affirmed in a new morality. We talk about the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus' vision for human flourishing. What Paul is doing, he's bringing that vision to reality in the church in Corinth. And he's getting word that there are things taking place that are not in line with the gospel and his vision for um, human morality. So we see this pick up in chapter 4, verse 17. Um, and if you're wondering why we chose that, I encourage you to watch our study video that we have linked here. Um, it's an opportunity for to go deeper into the text that I'm not able to unpack here. So... What Paul is doing is, in essence, he's been saying, hey, I'm your father. You have many mentors, but I'm a spiritual father. And I'm getting word that there's things happening that should not be happening. And as dad, you thought dad wasn't going to be coming home, but dad's coming, and dad's going to deal with what's going on. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, it's actually reported, which in essence it means it's widely reported. This is a common understanding amongst many people that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated among pagans. For a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. 
Are you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Corinth is in, uh, or it was a, a Greco-Roman uh, city, and in that had a moral system that was very sexually promiscuous. It's very common for men to have multiple mistresses to fulfill their sexual desires. But even that culture had a line that they were not willing to go cross or that would be wrong. What's happening inside the church, in the body of Christ, is not only is somebody within the body going cross that line, they're actually celebrating that somebody is going across that line. They're not mourning. They're not grieved by. They're not holding the line that's even further back in line with the sexual ethics of the gospel. They're celebrating that they go past it, that they have a freedom that they think they have because of the gospel that allows them to do whatever they want. And this is produced in them an arrogance. And so Paul is now starting this formal church discipline process. This is the immune system that was not working well, and now something has to be cut off, removed from, to ensure that the body is able to be healthy. Now the church in Corinth, it did not have to get to this point. They had not utilized the immune system that God has built within the body of Christ that would make sure that they don't get there. And there were things that they forgot that allowed them to get to this point. So a few of them we're going to look at. The first thing is that they forgot that freedom without holiness equals slavery. Freedom without holiness is slavery. Now they, um, like I mentioned, they had this understanding of the gospel that is so profound, that is so magnificent, and it's so amazing. And that is true. But it's very easy to think that, oh, God's going to forgive me. I'm just going to go on sinning. I'm just going to keep on living out my freedom in whatever way I choose to. But that is not living in line with the gospel. And not, that is also not who they are. It's not their identity anymore. He picks this up in verses 6 through 8. He's, um, in verse 7, he says, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore... Celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but the, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul is bringing them back to the Israel story of the redemption out of Egypt. We're coming up to uh, Easter time, which is also the time of Passover. Passover is looking back to Israel's time in slavery in Egypt. God sent Moses and Aaron, um, empowered them to go before Pharaoh and be part of the redemption of their people. The ten plagues were given. The tenth one, ultimate one, was the killing of all the firstborn in Egypt. God commanded the Israelites that he wanted to protect them from this angel of death. And so 
They killed uh, the firstborn male, pure lamb. This was the Passover lamb. And they spread a little bit of its blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over their household. In the midst of that, they removed all leavening agents, like think of yeast. Um, they removed that and they did, made bread without leaven so that they could be ready in the morning to leave quickly. Okay, So this was their redemption. This was God purchasing them from slavery and then bringing them into a new land and gave them a new way of life that he blessed and so that through them the whole world could be blessed. This is the, the kingdom of Israel. This is the story that the Corinthian church is being brought into. But notice this, that he says that their identity that they're living, that they are, is not being lived out. Look at verse 7. You are really unleavened. Christ is our Passover lamb. So because he, his death, his resurrection, he has purchased us, redeemed us, given us our freedom from slavery so that we can now walk in his ways. But the Corinthian church was forgetting the walking in his ways part. They thought they could live freely in whatever way they want, but in reality, because it was not them living in line with their identity, they were just walking in slavery again. They were enslaved to what they desired. They were not living, as Paul says elsewhere, living in line with the gospel. They forgot who they were. And who they were results in a new way of life. Our motives change. Our actions change. Our thoughts and our daily lives are now being transformed into the image of Jesus. So if, you, if we think that, oh, I can just go on sinning so that grace may abound, Paul says elsewhere, by no means, you are dead to that. Those sinful desires and actions that we are so drawn to, we are dead to those. We've been free from them. And now we are being invited, as the Corinthian church was but didn't live out, into a new way of life. And this is a life of flourishing, of goodness, of joy, of peace. This is the way that God designed the world to function. And so they forgot the holiness part, and it went, brought them back into slavery. And so being enslaved, they continued to allow these things to happen. Their immune system, which is the holiness empowered by the Spirit, Part of it is that, that would allow them to walk in new life. So they forgot that freedom without holiness is slavery. They, secondly, they forgot that family is affected by individual sin. Family is affected by individual sin. You and I live in a culture right now that is highly individualistic. This is my life. This is my body. This is what I want to do. And in the narrative of our culture, sin is anything that does not allow me to be who I feel like I should be. 
okay? Highly individuals. I get to determine it. I get to identify it. And what we're seeing more and more is that that produces a life that's not truly flourishing. It results in loneliness. It results in confusion. It results in a life that is in opposition to the giver of life. And there is a grander way in which the scriptures invite us into. Not only am I not my own, that, the, that Jesus has bought me, I'm now his, but because I am his, my life is also deeply connected and deeply affected by and affects my brothers and sisters in my new family. It's very easy for us to think that our individual sin has no effect on the church family at large. And what Paul is say saying here is that's not true. This man and, and his, this affair that he's having is having such an effect on the church that Paul has to address it not with just them, but with the church as a whole. Not only is this um, sinfulness, can it affect us? Remember like that immune system. This is a picture of it growing, the infection not being dealt with in personally, and it starts to affect the rest of the body. It also doesn't allow the body to get more healthy. You and I, created in God's image, have been designed by God with works prepared for us in advance. That's Ephesians 2.10. He has something for you that he wants to use you to bless other people. Okay, When we have our own lives that are still in rebellion to God, we do not properly reflect God and are not properly a conduit for Him. There's decay. There's something in the way. So when you are not living your most flourishing, um, gospel-centered, uh, spirit-empowered life, it doesn't just affect you. It affects other people. And so there, er those areas that affect me, also affect other people. And so what Paul is doing, he's creating this understanding that, no, you are not your own. You are part of something more than just yourself. If you are the finger, but the finger gets infected, that infection will eventually hurt the rest of the body. And Paul is saying here is, hey, address this. Get this fixed, and so it doesn't affect the whole, the rest of the body, or it'll have to be removed. So, freedom without holiness is slavery. Family is affected by our individual sin. And third, they forgot that there is a formal and an informal nature of this um, immune system. So. If we are, we're at the point in this passage where Paul is bringing the formal nature of church discipline. There is somebody who is in continual denial, continual um, lack of repentance, continual rebellion. 
And it's at the point that it is now infecting the rest of the body. And so in line with uh, God's instructions to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, um, it says that they're to purge the evil person from among you, verse 13. But it also said that in verse 5, that you're to deliver this man to Satan or the realm of Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. This is the end product. This is somebody who is in continual rebellion, lack of repentance, uh, repentance, not receiving correction, not walking in line with the gospel. And it's so bad that they have to be removed from the body itself. They're not in, the church is encouraged in verse 11 not to associate or even to eat with such a person. This table fellows was such a deep bond. So this is the formal nature of the immune system. This is the correction part, okay? But this didn't have to get there. And there's an informal nature that if the church would have utilized well, it would not have gotten to this point. Or it, it would have saved them from potentially getting to this point. And this informal immune system, if you will, is in our context, in everyday life, and in DNA groups. So this is the practices of confession, of repentance, of, of faith or realigning your life back in line with the gospel. And if those practices are regularly experienced in our DNA groups. We're, we're clothing one another in the gospel. We're reminding one another of our truths of our identity, that we're no longer leavened bread, but we're unleavened bread, if you will. We're no longer sinful. We're identified with, by the, um, the sinlessness of Jesus now. If that informal nature of the, our immune system were to be happening regularly, the likelihood of this would be drastically diminished. The lack of hiding, the lack of shame would produce more freedom and forgiveness. And so, in this informal nature, I want to, uh, some practical things. In your missional community, in your um, DNA groups, um, first thing, little practical, this is not a witch hunt, okay? This is not trying to find sin. This is just realizing that as we live on mission, Stuff bubbles up and stuff comes out of our hearts that are still being redeemed that need the gospel, okay? So this isn't a witch hunt trying to find it. And it's also not like judgment gavel type thing. We'll talk about judgment next week about how the church is actually invited to, to judge one another. We'll get there, okay? But this is talking about gentleness. This is a this is a kindness. Jesus came gentle and lowly heart, in heart, Matthew 11 says. So we do this in love, in graciousness. We also do this not to point out flaws, but to bring people to redemption. Our desire is to see people bring, come to repentance and repent of that and walk back in line with what God has designed them to live. So it's not a witch hunt. We do this gently. It's with the desire for redemption. All of this, even the formal part of this, the idea that you hand this person over to Satan's realm so that they can experience the fullness of what that is. They're still saved by God's grace, 
but they're going to walk in their own sinful nature. But the goal of even that is that they would be redeemed back to the father, just like the prodigal son was redeemed back to his father. And so, um, a few more practical pieces, too, okay? This, in order to do this informal part well, for us to have a healthy immune system in our church, we need to give people permission. This is hard. So, the reality is, I have parts of my life that, when I'm in community, other people will start to see, and they'll need to be part of the immune system, part of helping me see that. I may not even know I'm doing it. It may be a blind spot for me, okay? But I need to give permission, and you and I need to give permission to those in our DNA groups, in our missional communities, our brothers and sisters who love us. We need to give them permission to call this out in us. And it doesn't feel good. It, there's a little bit of like, oh, when somebody points something out, there's a, ex, I feel exposed. Th that's shame at work. But noticing that, it's saying, no, 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 I'm not identified by my shame. Jesus scorned the shame and gave me and clothed me in his righteousness. So when I, people point out that in me, when I give them permission and they utilize that, then I now have an opportunity to more fully align my life with the gospel. That's a gift. That's God's grace. That's being formed into the image of Jesus. And sometimes we just need to give people permission to be able to do that. But we also need to be a gospel-fluent pe people. In a way, no matter what somebody says, no matter what um, is in their life, to be able to say, if, if there's confession, if it's, if it's brought up, if, we, if it's identified, it's be like, you know what? God's grace is so extravagant, it covers that. I lead with forgiveness. I lead with love. I lead with that gentleness and bringing the gospel to bear in that midst. Now, that's the informal nature. Now, there is a, a formal aspect to it that Jesus lays out in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, starting in verse 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, chapter 18, verse 15, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. That's being handed over to Satan in Paul's language in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So that's so if you notice that you've been sinned against, if and let's just be frank for a second. If you're living in community, you're going to rub up against people's sinfulness. You're going to experience the brokenness of their human nature. So we don't need to be surprised by it. You're also going to be offended. By God's grace, not intentionally, but it's part of community life. And so if that happens, the, our immune system allows us to go to somebody and say, hey, this is, um, I, I experienced this. That's an opportunity for the body's immune system to isolate that thing and fix that problem. But if that doesn't work, it goes beyond that. Bring a few other people in with you. The goal is redemption. The goal is bringing people to oneness if that doesn't work then you're starting to it's going to start to experience the rest of the body but the goal is 
to bring people to live in line with the gospel, to live out who they are in Christ, to live in line with what Jesus has done for them. So while they have forgotten that they're holy, without holiness, they're back in slavery, we can walk in our freedom in line with a new way of life that it, it spurns slavery. We can realize that our own sin, we need one another, but, and our sin affects other people. And our immune system of the body of Christ has both formal and informal nature of correction, that we can be part of the immune system in our DNA groups, in our missional communities, and if it's necessary, there are different avenues in which that can escalate. And if somebody needs to be removed for the sake of the body, then that is something that we are absolutely willing to do. There's been situations that we've walked all the way up to that line, and by God's grace, there's been redemption in that, but that's not always the case. The goal of all of this is to walk out who we are in Christ. This is not only who I am, but this is who we are. God gave us this immune system so that we can ensure we can live healthy and holy lives in God's image, both individually and together as his body. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have designed us both physically and as a spiritual, physical body with ways that we can address the things in our lives that are in need of repentance and faith, in need of correction. Thank you that you clothe us in the gospel, that we have no shame, we can be honest and open, we can walk empowered by your spirit, and that we do that collectively as the body. So empower us, your people, to live in line with the gospel in the future present, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.